The kids are playing their tail off, and the coaches are screwing it up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's running the, You're wrong, going the way. wrong way. Nerds. 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 Nerd alert. Welcome to the Athlon Sports Cover 2 podcast here on AthlonSports.com. It is March. Welcome. His name is Mitch Light. You can follow him on Twitter at AthlonMitch. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Please rate, review, subscribe wherever you follow us. That is how people, um, you know, find out if we're good or not. Obviously, when they listen, they find out we're amazing. But awesome. um, that's how you begin listening to the podcast is by your reviews and, and, and ratings and stuff. So we appreciate that. Podcast at AthlonSports.com. Uh, is the email address. We may have some special stuff planned for you guys coming up a little bit later in March. Um, that's just a tease that is so generic and vague and far off. Throughout that, college baseball? That no one's going to remember. Uh, it's actually the early June draft for baseball. Okay, We're going to do a good. podcast about the baseball We're going to break draft. down strengths and weaknesses. Yes, Seth Beer is going to be a big, big hot topic. Very divisive prospect yes, these days. Yes, um, So um, Look at you. Yep. See, Johnny uh, baseball. I've got a couple of – well, I've been to Omaha many, many times to cover the College World Series. With, with, it your, is, with your perfect game hat on right it now. It is my favorite. Not a sponsor of the podcast, however, but, but it is one of my we'll favorite. We'll be next week after that. Smooth. <laughs> it is one of my favorite events in yeah. all of, of all of sports, this College World Series. It's just such a cool thing. Anyway, so today on the pod, what are we doing today? Um, we will have a very, I don't want to, I'm going to call it fun and interesting look at the best players in college football. Steven Lassen, a friend of the pod, occasionally joins us. Rain, uh, Rain Man of college football. He put a list out, top 50 players in college football for 2018. Uh, we are going to go through that list, but we're going to go through that list in sort of a different and, and, and more fun way than just reading off a list of names. So we'll do that coming up a little bit later okay. on. We're going like to go with prime numbers, like one, three. Yes, exactly. Okay, just okay. the 17th best player yes. in, in America, which I think is a prime number. It is. Um, so we're also going to look at... <laughs> This Jalen Ramsey, Tim Brewster thing that's taking place at Texas a and I love it. Which, I, which I'm fascinated by. So we'll get into that. Can, I, then, can I tell you about Tim Brewster? We've got some. No, not what? yet. Wait till that section okay. of the pod. And then, and then we'll have. You're no fun. I know. I'm, a, I'm, I'm an awful human being for organizing our content yes. in a digestible <laughs> way for our audience. And then, of course, uh, at the end, we've got some weird family stuff that we've got to get I'm to. I'm trying to regurgitate. You're trying to digest. Yeah, yes. Um, all right. But first... One, we, we try to bring a piece of content to the podcast every week that you are working on sort of in real time for the magazine. Magazines, again, can you buy them yet, Mitch? Can't buy them. Oh, damn. Okay. Yes. So soon you'll be able to buy Not magazines. Really that soon. One day you'll be yes. able to buy <laughs> One day you'll be able to buy yes. But it's a long, 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 arduous process, and so you, you work on things as, as you can throughout a, a, a month period, a couple months worth of time. The one we're using today um, – Coaches that we think will be getting jobs in the very near future. Coaches on the rise. Some of them are head coaches already. Can we call it something else? It's just such a cliche title. Can we call Why don't it something you else? stick to this like podcast? Sc- scorching will... hot coaching meteors. I don't know. Like, come, come on. That's perfect. Can I you... use that? <laughs> <laughs> it's awful, actually. Yes. But, you, but you are a wordsmith. You have many wordsmiths working we for do, you. We don't want to outthink it. We just want people to see coaches on the rise and understand what we're talking about here. So this is not just assistant coaches. Most of these guys are assistant coaches, but or they're head coaches at group of five schools, kind of lower level group of five schools, who we think will be on the move to right. power five jobs. Now, I want to begin this discussion in, in uh, controversial fashion. Okay. The number one name, and how many names do you have total on this list? Like 20? 10 with five more, 10 write-ups, five more to watch. So the number one name on your list, in my opinion, isn't even the best defensive coordinator in his own division. 
So I'm you start, th- I'm going to start there. Okay. Number one name on your list. Dave Aranda is the number one on our list. Who you think who I love and I've I know very yes. I have a lot of respect and said a lot of nice things about Dave Aranda. Do you think Tim Brewster's colleague is the better defensive coordinator? I think there's a chance. There, the track record at the highest levels for me isn't as great with Elko. Now he did a great job at Wake Forest. Yeah, Mike Elko at A and M is yes. what I'm talking about. I, I think Dave Aranda is more proven. You can argue that Dave Aranda well no, he did the great job at Wisconsin too. Like I always get the, oh, he's great job, great defensive coordinator at LSU. Well, you know, you could be a pretty good defensive coordinator at LSU with those those players. But but Dave Aranda has consistently. What been kind of quarterback play am I getting? Bad. It's LSU. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're gonna have great. You're gonna have like seven great corners. So. so why did number two on your list beat number one on your list? <laughs> <laughs> hey, because number, number two, number two, Neil Brown, Troy only scored twenty four <laughs> points. That's true. Dave Miranda held yeah, him. Yeah, held Dave Troy Randa in check. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't stop that. Who was a running back? Could not stop that running back. He went off. Uh, so, again, number one, Dave Miranda. Listen, I, I, what I find interesting about Dave Miranda is that is he, is he's he, ne- his name has never really been mentioned for a job. Right. That, that Stephen and I, Stephen last night, talked he's about He's the Bud this. Foster of the SEC. When we mentioned the, when we put him at number one, like, at some point, Dave, you're coming off the list. Like, it's time to become right. a head coach. Or some, I'm sure he wants to be. But it's it's maybe for some people it's not the number one. Like, do you know making, what he? Do you know what he the, makes a lot of money to be the defensive coordinator at LSU? The, the, the rumors and the general conversation around Dave Aranda is that he wants to be a, a head coach in the NFL. Okay, that he that his goal, ultimate goal in life when he when he lays his head down at night in the pillow and he dreams of things he doesn't dream of. The, the whatever Being a Wisconsin head coach, whatever no, nah, whatever that weird chrome pillar phallic symbol is that is our college football national championship oh. trophy he lays his head down at night and dreams about the Lombardi trophy that that is certainly possible and that could certainly be why he's not really interviewing or being mentioned for a bunch just of coaching kicking him. butt at LSU just keep being a great coordinator eventually be a DC in the NFL and then you get your shot at being a head coach um, number two on this list Neil Brown at Troy uh, a name that has his career is interesting to me because it was like I don't think he got a fair shake at some places but then wasn't all that great and has now done a pretty good job at Troy well, what, what I like, you know, Troy's a program that's been good for years uh, under Larry Blakeney, but they, they regressed in Blakeney's last few years, and Troy got good immediately when he got there, improved tremendously on offense, and was very good last year. Almost beat Clemson two years ago in their national championship year, and then beat LSU at LSU last year. So um, he was good offensive coordinator at Kentucky before that. He's played under Hal Mummy. His teams are fun to watch. I, I think he's going to be a really good head coach. And again, the point of this conver- the, coach, the point yeah. of this conversation is to get so that everybody knows well ahead of time next year and at, at late October when we're all going, who's going to be the new head coach here or there, or whatever. Well, we we're giving you a, a list right now to 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 keep an eye on, to watch and track throughout the course of the season, so that when Troy is great and Neil Brown's name keeps popping up for jobs at the end of the year, you know who's coming. Jason, well, last year at this point, Lincoln Riley was number one before he got the job. We had that's you know, how good we were. Joe Moorhead number three. Yeah. Uh, Neil Brown was on there. Um, Willie Fritz. You're not so. naming a lot of names. <laughs> well, no, because like Dave Miranda's on there again. Neil Brown's on there again. We, you know, we, there's a lot of repeats. So I'm just saying some guys that have moved on. But 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 not. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is, is it's not Jeremy Pruitt. It's not <laughs> for good reason. Chip Jeremy Kelly. Pruitt would not, have been, well, Chip Kelly's not a coach on the rise. Right. That, that's true. That's I don't true. think Jeremy Pruitt would have been on my list last year anyway. No, I agree with you. Um, Jason Candle, number three, head coach at Toledo, took over, of course, for Matt Campbell. The concern with, and this is not fair to Jason Candle. It's Programs like Toledo that always win, are you a good coach or are you just kind of the next guy 
at a program that keeps winning? That's a fair question. Number four, um, and this is going to be a very controversial one because I'm going right. to disagree vehemently with this, and that is Mike Norvell at Memphis. I he's think, a good coach, but you're going to say he's not on the rise. I think he's a decent coach, and I don't think he's got a shot to get a job at a Power 5 level because of things that are on his resume. Or not on his resume. Like I doubt he puts them on his resume. Yeah, I, I would agree <laughs> with that. Again, uh, I've said this on the podcast before. I've heard it on multiple other podcasts and from a variety of other media members. Um, openly, um, that this their, that the vetting process will be very difficult for Mike Norvell, and that there are red flags off the field, and that is all I will say. Uh, so I'm not. Uh, listen, I, I I think he's so he wins two more AAC titles. To uh, your point about Toledo, though, did Justin Fuente take Memphis from nothing into something? Yes. How much is Mike Norvell just sort of riding that wave? And we don't know, is, but is his offense worth, is clearly good. Is it worth the risk off the field if there are risks and, and those things when you don't know fully how much he built the program, which is Justin Fuentes. He deserves credit for that. So um, Brian Harson, number five on this list. I, does he strike you as a guy who's going to stay at his alma mater forever? No, really? I, I could see him at a, at a Pac-12 job. Okay. That's that's a pretty quick answer. I I had an answer ready for you. Okay. Uh, Scott Satterfield, my question for him at App State, um, not an old guy at all. Um, it's 27-5 and five in the Sun Belt. That's transitioning from FCS to FBS, too. So, that's amazing. I don't care what league you're in. That's a good record, and especially when you've moved up from FCS. And does he strike you as someone with these big school ambitions? Yes. Look at salaries okay. at Appalachian, Sun Belt salaries oh, versus that's SEC fair. salaries. That's fair. Uh, Blake Anderson, formerly... A coordinator under Larry Fedora at North Carolina is now at Arkansas State um, that has had a pretty interesting track record of developing coaches. Blake Anderson at number seven. I, I think he strikes me as a, a typical right, guy that good offensive just coach. keep moving on. Yeah, yeah, good offensive coach has done well in the Sun Belt consistently. I like eight and nine on your list more than anybody else, almost. Okay. Uh, Todd Orlando, defensive coordinator at Texas at eight. Jim Leonard, defensive coordinator at Wisconsin at nine. I think both of those guys – um, although Jim Leonard's a much smaller sample size, I think both of those guys are going to be phenomenal. In, in the trend to hire young young coaches, uh, I think if Leonard has, how about this? How, how, scorching take here. Head coach in waiting, Wisconsin. Just not Justin Leonard. Jim Leonard has another great defensive year. NFL head coach. After that, NFL's going young. He played in the NFL. That's an awfully big jump, and you know I'm. I yeah, think Jim I Leonard is spectacular. Um, I was a hot. Take. I think there are certain players that just are so good at the sport um, that it's very interesting. And then number ten, Seth Luttrell, uh, head coach at North Texas. Um, he's another guy. I, I just, think I, I like him more. You you always down. Yeah, I just don't, I just don't know. I'm just not. He's as a North sure. Carolina guy, Fedora guy. Program was really down. Got good immediately. Good talent evaluator. Their quarterback Mason Fine was this no name recruit from Oklahoma, thrown for a billion yards there. He's done a good job in yeah, a short amount of time. That's fair. Uh, other ones to watch on the list: uh, Bo Baldwin, offensive coordinator at Cal. Not sure, but I, I do like the job that – I think the whole staff overachieved my expectations last year. He was formerly at, Western, at uh, Eastern Washington, put up a ton of yards there. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right. Because he was the one who took the job at Oregon State but didn't really, or it was yeah, rumored. Yeah, it was rumored, he, yeah. So Ryan Day, co-see, you know, this young spread guy that everybody NFL likes. experience. Um, from Ohio State. Mike Elko's on there. We talked about him. Uh, Pete, Gold, Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator now, co-defensive coordinator at Alabama. Was it UTSA before that? Uh, and the one I like the most on this list, Alex Grinch, defensive co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State with Greg Schiano. One of two things will happen. Either he will get a head coaching job or Greg Schiano will get uh, a D.C. job or a head and coaching job. And then Grinch job. becomes the full-time D.C. And then one of the or other the, guys. The lone D.C. Yeah. So I, I think 
if you had to hire one of these names, you're going Dave Aranda. How about this? One coordinator, one head coach. Which of the two names? Big State U, Power 5 school. Which you got pressure to win. This is not – we're not talking like Oregon State here. We're talking pressure to win. Give me one coordinator and one head coach to watch this season that you think will be the guy you would hire. Great question. I think Neil Brown would be my head coach. And, I mean – I know. I guess Aranda. It's got to be Aranda. I, I would well, you put him number one. Yeah. So I, I would go Neil Brown, head coach. I would agree with you on that, and I, I would take the shot on Jim Leonard. I yeah, would, I, I, I almost, I almost said him, but I can't. How do I pick my number nine guy right. on the list over? Well, he's season. Well, unproven yeah. and young. So, yeah. um, so there are your head, uh, your head coaches on the rise. So before we get into the best players in college football for 2018, again, Stephen Lassen, it's up on the website. If you want to follow along, we're going to get into it. It is the top 50 players for 2018, athonsports.com. You can follow along. We're going to do it a little differently than, than the way he delivered it to you in just a second. I look second. forward to hearing about it. Just a second. Um, however, so this Jimbo Fisher, or, or, or Tim Brewster, works for Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. He does, so what, this is all stems from he tweets out a picture in the Texas A&M facility of a picture of Jalen Ramsey in Florida State gear, basically saying, come to t- Texas A&M, you can be like Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, who and, and was recruited by Jimbo Fisher. So we have a very uh, – I'll set this up by, by saying very few players I sat down and got to know as recruits. I actually got to sit down and get to know Jalen Ramsey a little bit when he was in high school. He played here in Nashville at Brentwood Academy before starting as a true freshman for Florida State. I actually had a chance to interview him a couple of different times and tour his facility with him and his father and his coach. And so very shy, very quiet, yes sir, no sir kind of guy. It's amazing what being a – Starting true freshman at Florida State, winning a national title, being drafted, making tons of money, being a, a, a star corner in the NFL due to you. He is now blossoming brash. For, for, for into this brash sort of really but fun, really fun, but at times a little immature personality. It's a little much at times. Got in a fight with A.J. Green, whatever. Uh, I don't really have a problem with it. I think it's fine. I, I don't think there's any benefit to him taking shots at Tim Brewster because here's the, the point. I don't know how much Tim Brewster did for Jalen Ramsey. I'm not He's sure he was. Ends coach, right? I'm not sure he was there coaching him. I'm not sure he. I'm not sure he he recruited him. Even I'm not. I'd have to double check if the Brewster years overlap. Middle Tennessee, even it, like so. The point is, is that Tim Brewster is using Jalen Ramsey to sell recruits to come to Texas A&M. Got no problem with that. That is the way the recruiting world works. I'm not sure Jalen Ramsey benefits at all by attacking. Tim Brewster? I, th- I, th- I think it's funny. It was it's funny. entertainment. I, he did it in a respectful way. He said, love you, coach, so-and-so, but I didn't play for you, and don't use me to, sell, to bring I'm recruits sure to a different much, school. I'm not sure there's much respect there. <laughs> I read it, and I, was, I thought it was funny. I didn't think there was a ton of disrespect. The, the question I really have about this is, do you have a problem? And I'm trying to think of a good example of this. Like, if, if – if, Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator at Texas, a guy we just talked about, has a picture of Ed Oliver dominating somebody in the Texas facility. Do we have a problem with Todd Orlando? Like, I, yeah, Todd I, Orlando I helped coach and develop Ed Oliver, though. Ed Oliver was good before Todd Orlando got his it's hands on him. not the point. The point is, is that he coached him. And you can say, factually, I coached this player. Come but, play for me because I helped Ed Oliver reach his maximum potential. I, think, I don't have a problem with it. Recruiting's recruiting. I think the best part, the best selling point is I convinced Ed Oliver to go to Houston. Right. And not Texas. And not Texas A&M or LSU. Which is probably Tom Herman's grill that did that, actually. Yeah. 
So, like, I think that's if you're if you're Todd Orlando, you put a picture of Ed Oliver in your office with you, like your arm around him. He's my he's my boy. He's yes. my guy. But I don't think Texas should sell Ed Oliver having played for that staff well, in it its may, facility. And maybe Texas is too big. A yeah. and M too big. I mean, you know, if I'm if I'm if I'm Matt Campbell, for example, at Iowa State, I've got a picture of Kareem Hunt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. That's the NFL's leading rusher but that I d- recruited and developed. I have no problem with the coaches, you know, on the recruiting trail saying, "Hey, you saw Cream Hunt yeah. rush for 130 yards. You know, he was a two-star recruit from so and so. We ID'd, we identified him. We knew he was going to be a player. Tell the story. Yeah, do you, that's how you tell the story. So this is much to do about nothing, basically. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, it's fun. Jalen Ramsey's personality is very interesting to watch develop. So, so. Because he was a very, very shy, quiet, yes or no sir kind of kid in high school. Tim Brewster, very talented. One of my all-time misses as far as coaching, like who I thought was going to be a good oh, coach. Minnesota, yeah, like oh my god, it was. Well, all the new coaches every year. I, I, I David Beatty of the Big Ten. I, I rank them in in kind of um, how I think they're going to do in their new job. And quite, I'd never heard of Tim Brewster when he was a Titans coach for the Broncos, I believe. So I'm doing some research on him. Great recruiter, man. I think he's going to do great at Minnesota. I ranked him really high among the new coaches that year. Didn't quite work out. No, it didn't. No. Didn't. You got that one wrong. Kind of like Hugh Freeze. Um, I got Hugh Freeze right. <laughs> <laughs> we will always – we will go, just like Houston Nutt leaving Arkansas is like a huge – No, big, I know you're right now, but I just, I'm just I'm just lying. <laughs> at least you're self-aware, though. I yeah. do appreciate that. Um, Shameless is a really bad show. All right, so I don't want to talk about football anymore now. <laughs> Are we still friends? Or were we ever friends? Well, I don't. Why? Why would you not just try it? <laughs> why? I have too much to. Too much, no, I'm you busy don't. Guy. Too much you to don't watch, do too much anything. Do. You you were going to take an all expenses paid trip to a baseball tournament in Texas this weekend to watch your alma mater play. You're right. not doing anything. Can we talk about football it's instead? The football podcast. You won't watch Shameless because you're a big doo doo head. That's what I have to say to that. Yeah, take that. All right. So do you think? Uh, Byron Murphy's properly rated on the top 50. So, so top 50 players for 2018. Uh, it's on the website. Check it out, athlonsports.com. I'm going to read you the list here, and, and then we'll you're gonna, get it. You're going to read 50 names? Not all of them. Okay. Ed Oliver, defensive lineman, Houston, number one player in America. I actually am not really have any problem. I don't really have a problem with that. Uh, Christian Wilkins, number two, Clemson defensive lineman. Bryce Love, running back out of Stanford, number three. Cleveland Farrell, defensive end out of Clemson, number two. No, number four. Excuse me, number four. <laughs> Trace McSorley, Penn State quarterback, the top-rated quarterback in the country. Not sure I'm on board with that, but I do like Trace McSorley. Uh, Nick Bosa at number six, defensive end, Ohio State. Pretty darn good player. Jonathan Taylor, running back, Wisconsin, number seven. Will Greer, number eight, uh, the quarterback at West Virginia. Mackenzie Milton, uh, quarterback, UCF. And Sutton Smith, defensive end, Northern Illinois. 14 sacks last year for Northern Illinois. Very high for a... Uh, mid-major defensive lineman, even though number one on the list is a mid-major right. defensive lineman. Slightly different level of recruit. Uh, it continues to go on. Uh, Khalil Tate, quarterback, number 11. Uh, I'll give you some more quarterbacks here. Devin Singletary is interesting. 14, very high, you know, great running back at FAU. So Dexter Lawrence is actually the fourth defensive lineman on the list, which I totally disagree with. But the fact that four Clemson defensive linemen are in the top 18 nationally of every player in the country that might be one of the more is absurd. Um, most yeah, absurd, it's amazing, absurd. astounding facts of the college football season. Otherwise, I think all of these quarterbacks are way too low. Tua Tungavailoa at 27, Drew Locke at 28, 
Um, those are a couple of quarterbacks mentioned You can find there. comments at athlonsports.com. Jake Browning at 36 is a little low for me. So here's what I wanted to do. Jake's, Jared Stidham on this list. Jake, Jake Fromm on this list as well. Justin Hebert on this list as well. Nick Fitzgerald. Nick Fitzgerald on this list. Uh, Brian Lewarke I think is way too low at 44. I think he and Trace McSorley are basically even actually um, in the Big Ten as far as how good each one of them, them actually is. So th- you can follow along the list. Here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go league by league. And and get like you're on the clock to start your team. You're a head coach. Who do you take out of that conference to start your team? You can pick any one player out of a given league, and and who do you start your your team with? And if you're guessing and sort of imagining that there are 13 of you, right, making a pick, so it's not just like hey, I get to pick Cleveland Farrell, and then like with my next pick, I take Dexter Lawrence, and then yeah. with my third pick, I take Nikosi Perry, or like it's not like that. It's you have to imagine yourself as the first pick of thirteen or fourteen in the ACC, for example. So let's let's. Does this make sense? Yeah, I, w- I was gonna. We're, we're always thinking of ideas in the offseason and pod. I was actually a couple of weeks ago thinking of a sort of a, a draft we could do, a two man draft type thing, and I couldn't really flesh it out. So we're, we're, we'll try. We, to we do- c- I, I think I, I think this is a, a good idea for next year. If you, if it was you, me, and like you know maybe two or three other people. I think we could adequately represent a 14-team league and then redraft every league for the magazines. I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, so let's say hypothetically you are you have the number one pick in the ACC. You have the number one pick, and you could take any player to start your team in the ACC. Who do you start your team with? There are four yeah. Clemson defensive linemen in this list. Mitch Hyatt, offensive lineman from Clemson, is on this list. There's no quarterback that I think is a just- – A.J. Dillon at Boston College is a nice player, but yeah. I'm not starting with a running back. Yeah, there's no quarterback that, to me that's a no-brainer. So I, I might Does go Josh Jackson stand out? I'd rather have Christian Wilkins on my team than Josh Jackson. Okay. I'd go Christian Wilkins. Uh, Joe Giles Harris, linebacker out of Duke, is on this list. Shaq Quarterman, linebacker from Miami, is on this list. That dude is a monster. Yeah, it's a scrimmage. It's a line of scrimmage sport now. Yeah. Jaquan Johnson, safety out of Miami on this list. Dexter Lawrence might be my pick. Really? Dexter Lawrence might be the guy. And 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 a lot of it's because there is no as you said as you said there's no quarterback. There's no flashing name in neon lights that says you've got to take this guy. Now, that could be Trevor Lawrence, the true in, freshman in, at in, Clemson, we don't know. In mid-October we might right, revisit this. A totally different name. If if DeAndre Francois is back fully healthy and playing at, at a To me he's still not a, he's not I mean, I'd see how he played, would have played last year had he not gotten hurt, but I think other leagues have quarterbacks that jump off the page. This league doesn't. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I, I'm on board with that. So, I, I'm, you know what, though? Now that I think about it, Ryan Finley might be the top pick. Because he's like the gap between. Because he's such a he's, – he's probably the best quarterback in the league by far. I mean, Kelly Bryant's really good. I don't know. Ryan Finley might be pretty high on that list. Rethinking it? No. Sticking no. with Christian Wilkins? Yeah. All right, let's go Big Ten. Big Ten, number one pick in the draft, the Big Ten. Who are you starting your team with in the Big Ten? Who's it going to be? I know where I'm going with this, and it's way off the board. It's not off the board. It's it's a player in the top 50, but I know – I Brian Lewerke. Brian Lewerke is the guy I'm taking to start my team in the Big Ten. And uh, Trace McSorley, I think we might be overthinking this. Trace McSorley's got a great track record. My concern with Trace McSorley is losing his offensive coordinator, losing a lot of offensive pieces – um, uh, the, I think Brian Lewerke is a significantly more talented player. I think he has more raw ability. I think he's an NFL prospect, and I don't think Trace McSorley is. 
Trace McSorley's a great player. Awesome player. Love watching him play. But like you said, a lot of weapons around him. Great running back. Great coordinator. I would take Lewerke. If, if you're putting them both on the same exact team, I would take Brian Lewerke over Trace McSorley. Did you think about Bosa? Bosa's the only other name that I would think about because he's a monster. Yeah. And defensive end, you got to – Now, the other name on this list that's interesting, who I just am a huge fan of as, a, as just a college football guy, Devin Bush, is that dude hits harder than almost anybody in the country. He's never out of position. He's sort of that hybrid linebacker safety end. He can do. He can rush the pass or he can drop into coverage. He plays against the run great. He is an, a do-everything player for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. TJ Edwards, Wisconsin, pretty good player. Nah, not going to take him. It's Brian Lewerke for me. Yeah, big time. I, me too. That's pretty. That's pretty interesting. Forty fourth player on this list. Uh, also, Chase Winovich from Michigan's on this list. J.K. Dobbins well. is J.K. Fine. Dobbins, David Edwards, offensive lineman from uh, Wisconsin. Jonathan Taylor. The other name that might be the name though that the the Trevor Lawrence like mid October name that could change Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary is 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 a monster for Michigan defensive lineman. Shea Patterson. If eligible, not over Lewerke. Okay, I do like you know I, I like, like Shea. No, I like Shea. All right, let's go Big Twelve. Big Twelve top. I think this one's easy. I don't think this is even close. Uh, I know exactly who I'm taking in a, in, a, in, a, in a draft to start my team. Will Greer? Yep. Not even close. And again, quarterbacks are going to almost always win this. If you've got a premier quarterback, you're going to be the top guy picked. But I'm taking Will, I'm taking Will Greer. Does Kyler Murray interest you? I need to see. It's so not far. as proven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dalton Reisner, offensive lineman for Kansas State, is on this list. Boring, pretty, pretty, pretty badass offensive lineman, though. Yeah, no, good play. And, and I'm, the only other positions I would take over quarterback are probably defensive line or offensive tackle. Yeah, left tackle or defensive line. Uh, are the things, maybe a corner? Maybe a corner. Uh, corner's working its way into a, a, a big time commodity. And by the way, the best named corner maybe of all time is on this list right now. <laughs> you know his name is who? That greedy. Yes, I was greedy Williams. That's yes. one of the best names ever. Uh, all right, so we we agree then on both the Big Ten and the Big Twelve. Pack twelve. Are you taking Khalil Tate, or are you taking Bryce Love? Can I have them both? Cam Smith. He's a great nope. linebacker at USC, who's number sixteen in the entire country on this list. I'm stressed. I you don't know who because I love Love and Tate. Um, who are you taking? I think I'm taking Bryce Love. I just think he is. He's just better. I think there He's will just be the, the gap between I'm, him and most running backs. I'm going to throw a wrench into this conversation. Okay. Because I think Jake so Browning you, might be my pick. So you, you you throw out two prime candidates and then you go. Because I think it's easier to replace a running back. I think it's easier to find a running back. But he's I think so Jake, good. I think Jake Brown. He, I, I, listen, if there's going to be a running back I consider, you're, you're right. It is Bryce Love. There will be two true freshmen starting at quarterback in the city of Los Angeles. Mark the tape. Really? JT Daniels and Dorian Thompson-Robinson will start at, at some point. I'm going to say first month of the season. No love for Jake Browning's former backup? KJ Carter-Samuels? No. no. Okay. I would say no person with three names can start, but the guy I'm picking to start at UCLA has three names. Okay. And it's got three names and initials, too. Like KJ Carter Simmons. It's a lot it's too to much. remember. Like they, they, if they knew his name, they could remember his name. Yeah, they would like play they don't him, even know like his name. They don't even know his name. KJ Carter. Yeah. It's probably why I transferred. Um, I, 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 
I would not be surprised that by the end of the year, the way we talked about Khalil Tate last year, how it grew over time, and we didn't know much about it early, and then all of a sudden we were like, oh, my God, what an, what an October. And then by November, we're like Heisman Trophy candidate. I, I think JT Daniels and Dorian Thompson-Robinson could be those two guys. I think that's the reason JT Daniels de- reclassified and came early was to USC was he, he, saw, he knew Sam Darnold was leaving and has a chance to start right away. So I, I will take Bryce Love. As my pick. Okay. Good choice. But JT Daniels. So this is, I'll take Bryce be, Love. This is just Braden being like in November, October. It's a podcast. I, I can say, We're allowed to talk I, I can about say, stuff. like, I told you so, basically. It's not really meant to be an I told you so. It's just we, we want to educate our, our audience ahead of schedule. And from what I'm hearing, there could be two true freshmen. And you're starting. making a bold statement that USC is going to have a good quarterback. <laughs> And that Chip Kelly will have a good right. quarterback as well. Yes. I'm going out wow. on a limb. Wow, you heard it here on the cover, too. All right, now this is – let's go SEC because I'm fascinated by this. Tua, the, I'm done. The, the, the quarterbacks in the SEC are pretty good. The Drew, Drew Locke being so low is is startling to me. But if you told me you Losing had – his coordinator. Drew Locke, Tua Tungavailoa. We're talking about the player. We're not talking about the coordinator. True. Tua Tungavailoa, Drew Locke, Jared Stidham, Jake Fromm, it's a quarterback league, baby. Those are... I'm taking Tua. Nick Fitzgerald. Love the dual threat. Jonah Williams, left tackle. I'm Alabama. done. I'm done. Raquan Davis. You can talk. You can throw out all those guys. You're taking Tua. Yeah. I hate to agree with you. One of the smoothest really players hate, I've I really ever ha- seen in person. I know. I really hate agreeing with you, but I think I agree with you. I wanted to come up with a reason to be like, Drew Locke, man. Good quarterback. Really good quarterback. Great system. And Jake Fromm, if you're talking about building... You know, because you get because he's but two as a sophomore too. You know what? This is did I? I was going to email you and Stephen last, and this is in the magazine. And you know, I I hope a lot of our listeners read our magazine and stuff. But so you know, this will be in there. We're doing the coordinator carousel uh, where we talk to various coordinators around the country, ask them just some fun questions like, "What's the favorite part of your job?" We'll have a whole pot about this at some point. But so I asked Bob Shoup about whether or not coordinators' defenses have caught up with the spread and, you know, the, the um, air raid and all that stuff. And his answer was fascinating. Did I email this to you? I was going to email it to you and Steven. Cause no, I don't think you did. He was like, he said, yes and no. He's like, five years ago, ten years ago, we were like, what the hell are they doing? We don't know. The, now Chip, You're talking about like the Chip Kelly style offense or like the Mike Leach style offense? But, uh, Chip Rich Kelly, Rodriguez? Missouri type offense. Specifically, he's talking so about more passing. Well, just oriented. spread. And just, just listen. And so he said there's – the offenses are so sophisticated now. We know what they're doing, but they have so many checks in there that they, if they have a good quarterback and a, a you know a smart team, they always get you in the bad spot. So like we like you play in Missouri, like Missouri's running backs, he says, are really good to begin with, but they're really good because they're never in a bad situation. They always have a check that if if it's a if it's an advantageous rundown and you're in the wrong defense, they'll run. If you bring yeah, a but now up. Derek Dooley's running that. Yeah, offense. so so the point was just like. <laughs> We know what they're doing now. We figured out everything, but as long as they have a good quarterback, they have the right checks in there to get you in a bad well, situation. And, and one of the most interesting new trends, and I don't know how new this really is, but that a no-huddle offense could actually be a 14-play clock-bleeding drive. This is what I think is really interesting. What happens, and this is what the Rams did with Jared Goff and Sean McVay. This is what Jimmy Garoppolo is doing quickly at San Francisco. You're seeing a lot of this in the NFL. And I think Mariota at Oregon actually did some of this too. 
when you think of the no huddle, you think of tempo, right? You think quick, you think lots of plays, you think quick scoring offense, big plays, right? What I think the mo- the new version of the no huddle is is when you get a first down, you have a team in a package. You have a defense caught in a package. So when you line up real quickly in the no huddle to run another play, they don't substitute. So it you could go four yards in a cloud of dust in the no huddle. And that's a new that's a new phenomenon. We don't see, you know, six yard runs, no huddle. Three yard run, no huddle. Five yard completion, no huddle. But that's what you're seeing now is like thirteen play, nine minute I've drives. I've always thought that that are all because what it does is you you create the mat personnel matchup that you want, and then you keep them on the field because by not huddling, they can't make substitutions. Right. I, I've, and, I've and Jared Goff and the Rams just did that to perfection this past year. I've, and, and I think it's really interesting phenomenon. I've noticed that. I mean, you can obviously see it when you're watching on TV, but you can't see the, the field that way. I've noticed it being on the sidelines a lot. That just it's the importance isn't how many plays you run; it's not allowing the defense to substitute. Exactly. And teams get to the line; they do it to check with me on the sideline there. And teams, hey, because as soon as the defenses team, can try and sub, but and if as you're soon there, as you try to sub, they're going to snap the ball. You're either going to snap the ball and be out of position, or get a penalty for right. too many men. So it, it is. It's a really it's a really interesting phenomenon to see a no huddle turn into a long clock eating fourteen play drive. It's just it's your your brain doesn't think that way when when you know we've been trained through football to to do that. It's about getting personnel matchups and then exploiting those personnel matchups. To so speaking of sort of what you're talking about with Bob Shoup talking about the passing offense, the other angle to all of this is even in the NFL, Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff too, all these passing attacks now. It Tom Brady with the it is it is about a it's it's a timing thing. It's about two seconds. It's about read, 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 go. There there is no the offenses the the throwing offense the checks like you're talking about. It's so fast. It's two steps throw, two steps throw, two steps throw, two steps throw. There the 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 seven step drop doesn't exist. Right, and this is a classic Missouri drive. You watch Missouri quick passes, quick passes, and they get down, and then your defense is tired. They don't have time to sub, and they hand the ball to running back, and he goes twenty five yards up the middle because you're tired and you're out of position. Like, like they do that all the time. Like Oklahoma State's offense last year with Mason Rudolph, one of the best big play off- passing offenses ever. But that was a even though they're running the, the and and the other thing is the RPO. Everyone thinks a run pass option is 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 like the zone read option, or that every fake play action is an RPO. It's not an RPO is the offensive line actually run blocks. You could hand it off and run it, or you pull it and you make a quick throw on a slant or whatever. But Oklahoma State was going down the field. They were making big, long, deep plays. Those aren't – that's not the tempo offense. I'd love, to, I'd love to get some old-school offense, like go back in time to 1991 and have some defensive coordinator sit in a film room and like, what the hell are these people doing? Because <laughs> every single – watching the Super Bowl, every single play Nick Foles ran when he faked the, the handoff, Chris Collins was like, oh, there's a there's the 18th RPO right. of the game. We're like, no, and not – A lot of people on Twitter were criticizing right. Collinsworth, who's great he, he for, for filling directly. But I, I find that interesting that the, the – the, the you know listening you listening to coordinators talk to coordinators hearing how they explain the modern offense is it's i don't think they're doing anything revolutionary but it's just another evo- it's just another step in the development of offenses and how, it's like they, it's how like college leads learned, the way on on the nfl it's like offenses in the past five ten years have learned to take advantage of all the rules like exactly. there's things that they, these things they've they've could have been doing these things 20 years ago right. just no one thought about not subbing right or you know not huddling like, the no huddle has always been a thing, but it's only because you needed to save time on your side of the football, on offense. Now it's, oh, you've got, a, you've got you know, a, a, a heavy personnel package in. 
and we've got four wide, and now we've got you stuck for nine plays trying to rush the passer or stop little guys out in space or vice versa. You know, like, we got you in dime personnel, but we've got three tight ends and two fullbacks, and you guys are not going to be able to stop this running right. play, so we're just going to keep lining up quickly. And It's just it's fun to watch how it, how, Unless you're, how it changes. You're on defense. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just a fan of the sport, yes. so I get to watch it, so it's fun for me. Speaking of watching, do we want to do family topic to wrap up the pod, or do we want to do uh, quickly what are you watching on television? Should I give my one quick television show? Yes, yeah, go ahead. So uh, Academy Award-nominated documentary on Netflix called Heroin. Uh, spelled, I'm not a big fan of spelled. Heroin freaks me out. Like, I've never done heroin, obviously, but it just freaks me out. It's spelled heroin like a female hero Yes, with an E and an apostrophe. But it's an Academy Award documentary about a small town in West Virginia. And it's obviously there's an opioid crisis yes. in this country right now that we all are very well aware of. But it's about three women. It's a fire chief, uh, like a social worker missionary. And the third one is an actual judge in the community. And the job that the three of them are doing to fix this city and the problem, it's a short documentary, by the way. How long? Four, 39 minutes. Every documentary should be 40 minutes long. It is so it's so easy to get through and i don't have to, it doesn't waste a lot of time it it is like i would i was on the verge of tears and so incredibly impressed and proud of these three women and what they're doing uh everyone should watch it it's, i promise i'll watch it it is pure inspiration it is I'm like it's scary i'll watch it it's scary because of like you're like when you talk like how dangerous heroin is and all this stuff what's really interesting about not to go way off topic here is that countries that are have made heroin legal and are, are then providing it for addicts deaths plummet the, the death rates have plummeted so this is part of what they're doing in in west virginia and it's it's a really great documentary check it out it's yeah. it's scary stuff but uh it affects every one of our communities it really does and it just just go check it out so that's my one uh nomination for the day okay it's an academy it's oscar it's getting oscar buzz it's getting gall buzz some gall buzz yeah yeah a lot of a lot of gall buzz a lot of gall buzz uh that sounds like a that sounds like a crisis. Yes, gall buzz <laughs> probably is. It's an epidemic too, the gall buzz. All right, so do you want to talk about uh, like a bunch of teenagers getting technical fouls, or should I talk about making? Okay, a bet, give, or should I talk about making a bet with my wife? Okay, I'll talk about my band of outlaws. <laughs> so right. I, I coach my son's eighth grade rec basketball team. Now there's a bunch of kids that full court press. What kind of style yeah, offense you guys run? We just they defense. go down the jack threes because they can't get any other good shots. We're not <laughs> we're not good. So it's You're basically not teaching the mid-range game. It, no. So it's basically it's a bunch of kids who did not make their middle school team. Now it's a really good middle school team. They went undefeated. So, but like these kids couldn't make the middle school team. So they're, we're not talking about a bunch of really good players here. So we're one and seven. Why would you talk about your son that it's way? It's true. He's a good baseball player. But um, so <laughs> we're one and seven going to last week. Lost every game by like twenty points. Or I more. think it's so the coaching. I'm not going to lie. We're not. We're not the best team. <laughs> so. We had a game against a team that beat us by, like, 15 points before. We come storming back. We're winning the game. And our guys, one of our guys, like, crosses over another guy. He falls down, you know, breaks the proverbial oh! anchor. Our bench, and, oh! then, and then he steps back and hits a three. Oh! Our bench goes wild. James, James Harden's Yeah, down. like you would have thought it was the greatest thing they've ever seen in their life. So the ref, who is an SEC football official, by the way, our referee. Oh, that's cool. So, so he's... He kind of glares at me like Slumming it at the national team. middle schools. So then the next time down, one of our kids hits a three. He does like the three goggles, all that set. <laughs> Boom, gets a technical. Whoa, 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 whoa. So a kid hits a three, does holds up his the okay symbol, yeah. and gets a technical Gets a that? technical from this SEC football official. Oh, my God. And he comes over to look at me like, what, what, what did I do, coach? And I was just like, we just got to calm it down a little bit. So then. You made a three and you did Steph Curry. In, in youth basketball. So 
so then a what few plays later, one of fun. our kid gets fouled. It's not called. His glasses fall off. He's like, hey, I got fouled. Boom. Whoa, technical. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Technical. Same two, official. Two, so a sideline warning and two texts now. Yes, yes. And then a few minutes later, one of our kids gets fouled again. They don't call it. He stomps away. St- like stomps his foot. Boom. Well, for stomping a foot, you get a technical? Technical. Goes back to the bench, takes off his jersey, whips his jersey down. Ref sees it. Boom. Technical again. <laughs> gets tossed. Oh my we God. had four technicals in about five minutes. The other team's a parade of free throws. I'm going like – I. I feel bad for what my were kids. Your, okay, here's the question. Were the kids, like, was it too much showmanship and out of control nonsense that deserved to be, to like, to be like um, not punished? Reined in? But, like, yeah, I mean, okay, here's like, the deal. was I, it a good lesson for these kids to learn? As or was I, this ref being a giant jackass? As I told the, the ref and the coach from the other team after the game. Clearly an Alabama official. I probably. said, I understand my kids were a little crit wild, but we act like that when we're down 30. Like, it's not, they weren't taunting the other team because we were winning. Like, I had a kid who made a bounce pass and a kid scored a layup, and we're down by 20 a couple weeks ago, popping his jersey. <laughs> I swear to God. Okay, so. So we're they're just starting here. They're, here's, here's, they're here's, just a bunch of clowns. Here's my concern, yeah. Mitch. For America, for the you're, youth, for the future of America. You're running a pretty loose ship, <laughs> is what it sounds like. I try. It sounds like the coach. I called timeout, and I told him they're embarrassing me. It sounds like the coach is the problem. Here, because if a kid is popping a jersey because of a pass <laughs> down, down tw- by twenty, that's not a kid's problem. That's a you problem, coach. So we got we got a tournament game tonight. I was talking to some guys at work. I think we're going full mid eighties hurricanes, like Cotton Bowl. We're showing up in fatigue. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna be like the, the outlaws. You know, yeah, we're the team Convicts. that got four technicals last week. Bring it on! I think we're gonna start the game. With a technical, we're gonna have one of our kids go just mouth off to the ref. Uh, why? Why stop there, Mitch? Yes. Why not have him just punch another player in the face right to start the game? Wait, let me write that down. That's a good idea. I mean, if you're gonna go all Catholics versus convicts, go all in. So we play the Brent commit Wins- some crimes. Maybe have one of them get arrested before the game. I'll alert the authorities. I don't know, like shoplifting gummy bears or something. Like, so we play the Brentwood Swish tonight. Do you have a scouting report on them? I think if your name's the Swish, you should probably be pretty good. No, because names of teams are stupid. Yeah. You can't lose to a team that's name doesn't end in an S. This isn't the WNBA. <laughs> Come on. The Sparks. So I think we're about four and a half point dog tonight against a team I've never even heard of. And I don't know where they're. Uh, all right. So my, so, so my story now, my bet with my wife. I'm picking your wife. So I'm doing a uh, – we have – by the way, check my Twitter account at Braden Gall. I posted the link to this uh, for, the, for the charity that I work with. Hammer Down. So it's called a Hammer Down. It's Jay Dunn. It's a Hammer Down. It's a 5K or a 10K. Kids can do like a 1K for free. It's, it's all for a good cause. It's all for charity. Um, again, check it out on my Twitter account if you happen to be in Nashville and want to run. We'd love to have you. It's, it's a great cause. We can run with you. But I've never run more than probably five miles at a time, maybe ever. Uh, you're, you're a runner. You run frequently. Um, you could probably go for long distances if you needed to. I have never done a 10K. I've never run for six miles at one time without stopping. It's never happened. So I'm sitting there, and I gave my wife the handout and said, hey, can you take this into your office? She works for a big corporation. I said, can you take this into the office? I know you'll deliver some, a bunch of runners to us. We, we really need some runners. Please go and do this. She's like, all right. Um, and it's scheduled for the day, like three days before our due date of our, of our new baby, which is mid-April. So it's scheduled, it's scheduled, uh, Cletus, Cletus, the fetus. So it's, it's scheduled for like four days before the base. So in theory, um, and we have a plan not to go too much detail. It's a plan C section. So it can't go later than the date, but it could come earlier if she goes into labor before. And she jokes with me talking trash to me about, 
Well, if I go into labor and you've already started the race, you'll probably never make it to the hospital in time. Joking about how long it would take me to run a 10K. Because you're slow and you're fat. Because she thinks I'm slow and fat and unathletic. Just really more of a knock on her. <laughs> yes, because she married than you. anything else. She picked me to procreate. <laughs> not the other way around. It, to which I respond, I'm just a guy on the couch. Like right. everybody does in, like when guys are talking trash and when your wife calls you out and, and busts your chops, yeah. you've got to say something back. And so I said, oh, I bet you I could do, I bet you I could do it in sub nine minute miles, like the whole thing. Ooh. And it's just sort of, I'm just sort of like throwing it out there. It wasn't like a, yeah. and she was like, I bet you can't. <laughs> and I go, all right, well, I don't know what the exact number is. Find out 6.2 miles. I and mean, I didn't have all the numbers yeah. in front of me. I said, find out what the, what, what the, the number is. And she goes, it, just under 56 minutes. I don't think you can do the 10K in 56 minutes. I said, round it up to 60. We'll call it an even hour. I bet you I can get, get it done in under an hour which is about a nine-minute, 20-second mile, right? Something like that. She was like, no, not taking the bet. You said nine minutes. Right, I'm with her. I'm sticking with nine minutes. Our, our bets between friends, especially married people who are You're very close. She's your wife. Let's get this straight. <laughs> she's my best friend, Mitch, if no, she's, she's listening. <laughs> no, she's not. Uh, my, no, but like when your buddy calls you out on something, generally there's a negotiation. Like there's yeah. an adjustment of the bet so that both people feel like it's a, it's a good, clean bet. Like you say, hey, I think this. No, team you does said this. I could do it in nine miles. But it was it was a throwaway line. It you wasn't. S- you said it. Why should she negotiate? I'm with her on this, hundred percent. Because she said, "I'll bet you can't." I said, "Well, give me this. Give me an extra four minutes on a 56 minute." So you know what I did? What'd you do? Because she wouldn't move. She wouldn't budge. Good for her. You know what I did yesterday? Divorced her. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Good move. <laughs> you know what I did? What? Fifty three thirty four. Went on a treadmill. Did six point two miles. In 53 minutes and 34 seconds, wrote it in giant Sharpie on a piece of paper, posted it on the fridge, and said, what do you think of my artwork, honey? How do you like them apples? <laughs> now, I know doing it on a treadmill is a lot easier than yeah. doing it in real life. I get that. But she called me out. I, did, I thought she was being unreasonable with the bet. I think negotiations on bets are very normal, if you, especially if you know okay, each other. Okay, try that with your bookie. Again, like, that's I thought- different. <laughs> I'm talking about buddies. Like The closer you are the more negotiating wiggle room you have with, with bets. And, you know, if there's no, if you don't know anybody and, and it's a bookie, then there's no <laughs> negotiation. But come on, give me two she more wouldn't points. give me a couple more minutes. And technically with bookies, you can buy it down. You can bet down. Yeah, it costs your money. You can tease down. spreads <laughs> yeah. very easily. I, so I, I, I literally took a Sharpie, drew it in giant letters, put it on the fridge, and she walked in and she, <laughs> she just started laughing. I said, what do you think of the new artwork on the fridge? <laughs> Most people put their kids' artwork <laughs> like and it stuff was my, like I put it up there like it was my kids' artwork. And she was like... Oh, good, good job. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I was like, yeah. are you really? Because yeah. you're wrong. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I think there should be wiggle room in, in, in bets. April 7th. Basically. The 1K. I would do the 5K. Um, hammerdown.racesonline.com is the website. I, I tweeted again, I'd go check my Twitter account out. It's only if you're in Nashville on that day, we just would need some runners. All the money goes to benefit sexually abused children in middle Tennessee. So if you happen to be in the area, great. We'd love to have you. Good it'd be, cause. It'd be awesome. Um, and you said you might, you might be able to do it. Uh, I think so. That'd be cool. I can check my calendar. Anything else? No. So, you, so you're basically, you basically coach a band of misfits who mid probably deserve to be in mid nineties came in juvenile basically. detention centers, yes, including my son. And I am, I cannot tell if it is a good thing or a bad thing that the most motivated I will ever get in my entire life to is to prove my wife wrong. Thing. Yes. Is that a normal feeling? Very. Okay, good. Yes. (laughs) That that means I'm in the healthy category. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We know we're silly sometimes, so thanks for hanging out. (laughs) 
Mitch Light at Athlon Mitch, Braden Gall at Braden Gall. Thanks for listening. Athlon Sports Cover Two Podcast.